edition of Chargers Only. So Jake Hefner and Dan Rubenstein here with you from the LA Football Network. Today's show, of course, is being brought to you by Bet Online, Aura, AG1, Mint Mobile, and Rock Solid Sports Memorabilia. If this is your first time tuning into this show, make sure to hit that like and subscribe button on YouTube. You can also follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Spotify, and Apple Podcasts. Dan Wolkenstein, I hope that you enjoyed my somewhat optimistic introduction there because that is the last that you will hear the optimism from me on this show today. The Chargers, fresh off of a bye week, getting players back healthy, come out for Monday Night Football, and it's the same horror movie that we have all seen so many times before. Chargers fall 20-17 to to the Dallas Cowboys. Many questions as they now have a short week with the Kansas City Chiefs right on the cusp. And I'll be honest, I thought that I was coming into this show with all my usual pessimism. I told Dan that I was falling right back into my natural habitat for this show, which I am fully ready for. I don't know if I have ever seen Dan Wolkenstein as upset and depressed as he looks and feels right now. Before we jumped on here, it even surprised me. (laughs) I don't even have to ask the question, Dan, but you're here. So you might as well just let it out. You got to show up. At least the two of us did today. Uh I, I legitimately don't know where to even start on this episode. And I'm struggling to like keep my composure. And I think for folks who have watched or listened to this podcast for a bit, we, you and I both, I think we strive to bring rationale and, and perspective and analysis that isn't just stat reading front ring front running and generally i bring optimism to balance your pessimism but there while there are some things to be optimistic about from that game the number of ways that that team disappointed themselves Chargers fans, folks in the stadium, like that was one of the worst losses that I can recall, given what was at stake, given all of the narratives, given the time they had off, given how they lost, given who played terribly, given the mistakes that were made, given who we thought we could trust on this team given who they're playing next given who they were playing given who they weren't playing that was just a shitty game from like the 12 minute mark in the first quarter until the clock hit zero that team especially on offense especially on offense I don't know what the hell they were thinking. Honestly. And I'm I'm still processing this game. And so I apologize if I become a little irate at times on this show. I know this is a bit of an intro here, but 
in short, in closing, that sucked. That was a failure. It wasn't good enough. And the opportunity that this team had to flip a narrative, to silence some critics, to gain ground, and to get this season on track, all thrown out the window. And they are now having to fight an uphill battle again. And it's just exhausting. And I can imagine it's exhausting for them. I get it. They're humans too. But it just, that was that was a bad look on prime time. It was a prime time failure and a prime time letdown. Dan covered a lot there. And none of it is incorrect. Today, there are no punches being pulled in this episode because in reality, there, there, there can't be. I said on this show last week that I felt that this game going up against the Dallas Cowboys meant more for the Chargers in the long run of this season because you know going to Kansas City and playing the Chiefs is virtually impossible for anybody to get a victory there. So you'd almost expect that while the Chargers may play them valiantly, they're probably going to come out on the losing end of that one. And that this game, at least getting them to a three and three set and even that out before the somewhat dip in competition that you'd be able to, you know, more optimistically run through was vital. Now you sit at two and four. You take a snapshot essentially two and three chargers or sorry <laughs> I'm, I'm already i'm already ahead yeah i'm already ahead of myself here there it is currently sitting at two and three could very soon be two and four and now you take a snapshot essentially what the chargers have accomplished if you even you want to use that word in that sentence over the first five weeks or six weeks including the bye and there are so many disappointments in this regard, when you look at them. Dan, I really like the aspects of who we thought we could trust, whether we're talking players or coaches that you brought up, because it was the whole narrative was that this was going to be the Kellen Moore revenge game, going up against his former team in the Dallas Cowboys. And outside of the first drive, this Chargers offense was about as entertaining to watch as a, spending a Saturday night at a laundromat in Barstow. <laughs> without it, change without it change. was yeah, it was bad it was really really bad we talked about last week or excuse me two weeks ago after the Raiders game that I actually liked the fact of how the Chargers went into that bye week even though they secured a a victory in that game it it didn't look good there was a bunch of things that you had to go into that bye week and work on and man we thought that the offensive line had a bad game in that Raider game. <sighs> nope. They had an encore performance ready for the rest of this fan base. And folks who want to say, oh, they only had one sack. You did not watch that damn game. You didn't. If you don't think the offensive line is an issue, you're not paying attention, period. The absence of Corey Lindsley is turning out to be much bigger than what I think everyone predicted that it was going to be. Because collectively, this unit has not been able to have any cohesion 
whether we're talking about pressures being given up, a five penalties collectively on the offensive line. What are what what is all of a sudden happened? And th- again, this is off of a bye week when you had two weeks to prepare for this, when you were getting guys back healthy for this team. And I will say this, you know, collectively at certain moments, you know, there there were a few people that actually had good games. When I say a few, I mean a very small few. Well, and on offense, offense and defense, actually, I'm talking a very very small few. It's it's but it's it's pretty much moot at that point to even talk about it because everything else that has taken place up until this point is the bigger picture. What the Chargers have proven through these first five games that they have had, which each one essentially has come down to the wire, is that they cannot close games. And they have not fixed any problems. The explosive plays, the undisciplined, the lack of tackling, the fundamentals, the missed opportunities. And of all people, the quarterback that we all know is the best chance that you have in winning this game had one of the worst games that he has had since he has been the quarterback of this franchise. It's just very... It's it's difficult for the Chargers to win when they can't get out of their own damn way. All right. Well, you said we're not pulling punches, so let's go. Um, I will start this one off. You said the guys that played well. I think Cleo Mack had a fine day. Morgan Fox. The, honestly, I think the defensive line in general had a pretty darn good day. I'll give the defensive line. I think generally speaking, linebacking core... Played pretty good. Kenneth Murray, another solid performance. Offensively, Keenan Allen did Keenan Allen things. He was... He and Josh Palmer, honestly, those are probably the two offensive players who lived up to their name. And that's including Kellen Moore, if we're being honest. We're talking about coaching. Otherwise... Again, I'm not going to sugarcoat this. Otherwise, this offense was bad. Justin Herbert had a bad day. Now, sure, are are we used to seeing him play Superman to where when he's not Superman, he's just Clark Kent, we get pissed off sometimes, but that was a bad day. That was arguably the worst I've seen Justin Herbert play. Statistics aside, it looked like he was trying to shove a square peg through a round hole all day long. And he, at times kind of willed this team to some of those points. But he was off. I was there live. He was off. He missed many throws. And even the plays that he did do well still came up short. Like, even some of the scrambles he had came up a yard short. Like, he just... Not a good day in the office for Justin Herbert. The running game. Terrible. Absolutely atrocious. Austin Eckler, again, aside from the one play <laughs> in the first half, in the first series, I don't know what he brought, or the other running backs, for that matter. Quentin Johnson, two targets, got bullied into an interception at the end of the game, which we're going to get into all that stuff. You mentioned the penalties. 
I don't know. I genuinely don't know what the hell this offensive staff is doing with Quentin Johnson and Darius Davis. I don't understand it. We see it is glaring what this team needs and what Quentin Johnson and Darius Davis are good at, and they just refuse to do it. I don't like the fourth and one call. I you mean the, absolutely the, the, fir- the first one. The, the, first one they, the one that they missed, or that they did not get. They could have gotten three points, didn't get it. Now, did it matter in the end run? Not really, because the defense stopped on the end of getting a field goal anyways. And then you say, oh, well, they you know it was a tie game. It would have been a tie game at the end. No, they threw an interception, and then they would have won at the end. Like, the ramifications of it weren't that big a deal. But in the moment, in a game like that that's tight, you take the three points. I don't understand how Keller Moore looks at these players that he has. And again, at time, like the thing is, they still, still would have won that game if Justin Herbert delivered, given all of the negative we just talked about. And they didn't. 17 points. And that's including having the ability, because of a special teams error on the Dallas Cowboys, that gives you another possession. You had a grand total of 10 points in like 56 minutes of football. When you have those guys at the helm, unacceptable. And we haven't talked about the defense yet. But that offense, it was just demoralizing. And it made it even worse when they're, when SoFi was flooded by Cowboys fans and that place got ruckus. It was just... It was just a bad, it was a bad night. And it was a bad night for many players to simply not deliver. Or just play stupid at times. And that, like, some of that is players, but some of that is coaching. And when you see guys doing this stuff consistently... Like, I don't know what the accountability is on this team. I don't know. I know that it's something that they emphasize throughout every practice. And yet, for some damn reason, they can't get out of their own way at times. (sighs) Anything else on offense before we go to the other side? Because, Dan, you touched on it. Um Quentin Johnson, for now, may as well just change his name to John Cena because nobody can see him. Nobody has seen him. He's not getting any opportunities to... And personally, I don't think that he's getting opportunities to do what he does best in this offense. Justin Herbert isn't looking to him. I don't think that there's any plays that are drawn up by Kellen Moore to get him more involved in this offense. And Darius and Davis... Get him, more having, in, get him more involved in the ways that he is comfortable being involved. That's it, because... That's what you're supposed to do as a coaching staff, especially with a guy who is coming into his first year as a wide receiver. What the hell is Keelan Doss getting targets over him? Darius Davis playing only two snaps offensively. You know, there was one quote that I mentioned on this show that I actually had really liked that Trent Green had talked about a couple weeks back when he was having a conversation with Kellen Moore. And he said, what's the biggest difference between this offense and last year's offense? Kellen Moore says to him, well, we're going to utilize the entirety of the field. 
at, which I really liked because when Mike Williams went down, we said on this show, Dan, it was not going to be one guy that was going to replace him. It was going to be by a committee that you were going to have to get so many people involved to make up the loss of Mike Williams. And what was your game plan after two weeks of preparing for this team? A team that Kellen Moore knows very, very well. Dan Quinn said, hold my beer. And basically just said, I'm going to tear your game plan up, whatever your game plan was. And we're going to rep and we're going to rip that to shreds. I just, I, I didn't understand it at all, Dan, just especially after the way that the Chargers started the game. You go down, you get a touchdown in your opening drive. You had just stopped Dallas with a, with a uh, Khalil Mack sack. You get the ball back, go down for an opening touchdown, and then you start watching those drives after that. It's Gerald Everett on a jet sweep. <laughs> It's like, it's all of a sudden, like, why, why are we getting cute? We've said it before. The Chargers are the one team in this league that is just absolutely allergic to consistency. If the Chargers, if I told the Chargers staff that I had a headache, instead of giving me Tylenol, they would bash me in the face with a hammer and say, that'll make you feel better. <laughs> Jake, the, this is the, fir- the first half series for the Chargers offense. First possession. Five plays, 42 yards, touchdown. Again, that was on a Darius Davis putt return. Well, on a fort on a short field. After that, Jake. Three plays, a minute 39, punt. Ten plays, 56 yards, punt. Three plays, eight yards, punt. Seven plays, 33 yards, punt. That's the first half. Yeah, I think they I think they almost finished with what was it 89 yards in the first half. I think it ended up coming out to like 101 that they ended up finishing with. But I mean, they were they just couldn't move the damn ball after that first drive. Even the second half, 13 plays, 68 yards, turnover on downs. Next one, 10 plays, just 43 yards, took up five minutes, got a field goal. Cool. Then the next one, four plays, punt. Then Dallas gives them a gift that they're able to cash in, get the touchdown, interception. Which it took another fourth down and goal that's situation. Your, that's that your point. offense. That's your offense. You scored a touchdown when you were given the ball on the 20-yard line. Cool. You then went 10 plays, 43 yards, got a field goal. Cool. And then the first first series, touchdown. Other than that, punt or turnover every time. That is terrible. Like, you can't do that on primetime after a bye week. You just, you can't do that. Jake, Justin Herbert, 22 for 37, 227, two touchdowns, interception, and one sack. QBR rating of... 56.7. And again, those stats are way better than what he actually looked like in that game. Which is saying something. Like, mm-hmm. was he terrible? No. Like, that's not going to twist it. But from what we're accustomed to seeing from your 50 plus million dollar franchise quarterback, that's not going to cut it. And you you saw him livid at himself during that game when he missed some of those throws. And he talks about it afterwards at the press conference. Like, he knows. 
It was just an inopportune time for the guys that you trust to not deliver. And Kellen Moore is included on that list. Like, when you're seeing your quarterback struggle like that, like, maybe you should adjust. I don't know. When you're seeing your run game struggle like that, I don't know. Stop freaking running the ball. Like, I don't understand. Jake, running game. 23 carries, Jake. 53 grand total for yards. 2.3 yards per attempt. I want to touch on that real quick because Brandon Staley had said a uh, responded to a question, basically just saying the lack of their running game allowed the Dallas pass defense to show what they were made of. And I thought about that for a second. I said, well, the Chargers really haven't had a running game since week one. The lack of the Chargers running game? Yes. Chargers haven't had virtually a running game since week one against Miami. By the way, Jake, I'm sitting here drinking a peppermint coffee because that brings me joy today. Like that's was, where I'm that's where I've stooped to okay. at this point. <laughs> the little things, Dan. The little <laughs> things. The little things. All right, go on. What I what I just thought about that for a second was like, well, well, wait a second. So you didn't have a running game really in the Minnesota game. And Justin Herbert sets career highs for himself in that game, just has a monster performance. And even so, in the Raider game, clutch moment comes at the end, a third and ten. This is just after just minutes after him obviously fracturing his finger, about 20-minute difference. And he throws just an absolute beautiful pass to Joshua Palmer, who's got a defender draped on him, and you ice that game. And yet, Justin Herbert was missing a wide-open Keenan Allen who did not have a single defender within 15 yards of him. Keenan Allen had busted loose twice off of beautiful double moves, by the way, and twice Justin Herbert couldn't find him. Dan, I, I, there were plenty of times in this game when especially at the rate that Dallas was winning on the defensive line, where I was looking at looking in there and seeing that Austin Eckler wasn't in, even in there. Now, I'm not talking about in terms of a run play. I'm talking about in terms of pass protection. What in the hell is going on? Like, are, Do you notice that this is coming at you? Are you doing anything for this? Trey McKitty had about as big of a whiff or just not even caring to block Micah Parsons on one pressure that was coming in. There were just so many undisciplined mistakes as it related to pass protection on this. And obviously one thing affects the other, but over the course of a four-quarter football game, the Chargers were not able to do anything offensively to negate it. And once again, which essentially feels like five games straight now, it comes down to the last possession, which then hangs Justin Herbert out to dry because essentially everybody has been doing the exact same thing that Vic Fangio has been doing since week one in the Miami game and saying, we dare you to beat us and we're going to bring the house and your offensive line is not going to be able to stop us and we're going to put away the game right here. And I freaking called it. I said, do not let this game come down to the last offensive series where you allow Micah Parsons to end the game because he will. Micah Parsons, the dude's a beast. Just like you saw with Max Crosby. Just like you see with TJ Watt. Those guys will wreck 
games at the end. And sure enough, on a third, was it second and two? Ends up being third and 10. Completely changes the narrative of that game. And then Stephon Gilmore jumps in. The offense did that to themselves. Sorry, they did. Like, people want to talk about the defense hanging in the Chargers' offense at the drive. Not that game. Not that one. Like, and there's plenty of criticism on the defense, which we should probably get into now. But the large blame, if we're looking at just offense and defense, goes to the offense, in my opinion. Now, that doesn't absolve the defense. I honestly thought that for the most part, that was a pretty good defensive performance. I think if you're talking about a certain area of the defense, sure. you would say that. Look, like, I, I think what was most frustrating is I'm sitting there live at the game, Jake. And I'm talking to people around me. And I'm saying, look, there is two people on this offense that I'm worried about. C.D. Lamb and Tony Pollard. And for the most part, they kept Tony Pollard in check. On the ground, he didn't do much of anything. Check that off as a win for the Chargers defense. Cool. Michael Davis makes a boneheaded missed tackle again. And if you go back and watch that, go watch Derwin James. Go watch some of those defensive players as he's getting quote-unquote tackled but then not tackled. They're just watching. And they watch Tony Pollard go for like, what, 50-plus? On a broken play. The stupid, lackluster, indefensible penalties again on this defense, crippling their chances of getting off the field. Just crippling. Jake, they lead the entire NFL. And penalties that result in a first down, this Chargers defense does. And, like, it's not even close. They clear the next worst by, like, 27%. And they have the second most penalties per game in the entire NFL is this Chargers defense. Chargers offense, honestly, is not much worse, not much better. I think it's, like, 26th. Terrible. The penalties are killing them. And, Jake, you and I talked about, like, a third down conversion percentage. Like, they're doing good. I think they're currently fifth. I want to say in the NFL, it's just great. That doesn't take into account the penalties. And that doesn't take into account fourth down conversions, which this defense, Jake, ready for this? Jake, uh, 30th. I think that's 70% clip that they're at right now. And what do you know? Dak Prescott fools the entire effing stadium on fourth and one goes for six. And go watch that one. What is Asante Samuel Jr. doing? And watch Derwin James. Speaking of Derwin James, what are we doing? At this point, he has been more harm than good to this defense this season. Tell me otherwise. Show me otherwise. He cost the defense, what, 30 yards last game? That's not including... The times he didn't chase people down, didn't gang tackle. 
why are we giving 15 yards of cushion on third and eight? The defensive line largely played pretty good, and they had Dak Prescott kind of on the move. Unfortunately, they couldn't finish. And even if they had five sacks, they could have probably had three or four more. And it felt like every time he got out of it, it turned into a massive play. Case in point, the Tony Pollard play. And then lastly, Jake, C.D. Lamb. Every single time Dak Prescott went his way, cash money. Every time. 11 for 11 when targeting either C.D. Lamb or Brandon Cooks. 7 for 7 for, what, a buck 15 or something like that to C.D. Lamb. Even Tony Pollard targeting him. I think he was only had two missed targets, I believe. You know what they want to do. You know what they need to do. We even said it last week. Why? Why is C.D. Lamb given that much room in single coverage blows my mind. And I, I don't... I I don't know what to do with this because it seems like they are constantly finding a way to get in their own way. And then you got to watch this Bush League shit from ESPN putting out these stupid memes of the Chargers, you know, players crying and all the kind of like, but unfortunately the Chargers did it to himself on a national stage. I don't get it. I don't get it. And this team has to be coached better, offensively and defensively. As a coach, as a head coach, like you bear responsibility for some of these boneheaded penalties. And while you might be practicing stuff in, you know, during the week and you might be praising things and looking at film, all kinds of stuff, like if it doesn't change, what are we doing? And so far, through five games, they are the most penalized defense sorry, second most penalized defense per game and gave up the most penalties that result in first downs in the entire NFL by a large margin. Like, I can I can grasp, like, the passing yards per game being last. I understand that. Like, otherwise, like, some of the yardage isn't, some of their statistics aren't bad. They have the most sacks in the NFL per game. 14th in rushing allowed. Pretty good. 14th in red zone. Fifth and third down conversion. Points per game. Like 23rd, not great, but it's not back with 32nd like they were earlier in the season. So like things are trending in the right direction, going towards the average that everyone is just hoping to get. But when you have these mind-numbing, game-altering mistakes, it defines your game. It defines your season. It defines your team. And right now, what is this team? Like, how do you define this team right now? If you're being honest, like genuinely, I'm not talking about like optimistic lens. I'm not talking about like what they could be. I'm saying right now at two and three, this is an underperforming team who, when the lights are brightest at the most important times of the game, they freak out or, and they don't deliver. That's this team. That's their identity. 
Like their offense, sure, that's good. Like they're a lot of times top 10 in most categories. But they are not good rushing. They are not good third down conversion. And they have like the 26th most penalties in the NFL. Recipe for disaster. Sure, they're aggressive. Sure, they can put up yards. Sure, they can score. But when they need to the most on offense, they don't. And on defense, when they need to stop them at the most, they don't. Either fourth down or penalties. That's the identity. Church, things are trending the right direction in some cases, but it's not there. It's not. And now they got to go up against a Kansas City team. What are the odds that they're going to go three and three now? We, I mean, we always said we need to go three and three. They got to split one of these two games. Cowboys was probably the easiest of the two. Like, okay, if they go three and three, they beat Kansas City. Cool. Do you believe? Do you trust that they're going to? Based on what you've seen this year, I, I don't think Justin Herbert's going to have a repeat performance like that. Like, I, I, I believe he's better than that. But other than him, what what should we, what should you, what should they expect? This is somewhat a very uh, proud moment for me on Chargers oh. Unleashed. Let me just say this. I'm, getting, I'm um, sweating. I'm... <laughs> One of the biggest criticisms that I had of the Los Angeles Chargers last year was literally exactly part of the soliloquy that Dan Wolkenstein just said. What had what assurance, what attitude, what philosophy had they given you last year to think that they were going to do anything differently offensively? Turns out they never did. It was the same vanilla, predictable offense that they had given teams for the majority of the year. And look where that got him. You look at it this year, and in areas that you didn't think that we would be talking about. God, that, that's namely, the- yeah, that's the weird part. Namely, penalties. Namely, situational football. Finishing games, that's a kind of, unfortunately, a familiar <laughs> attribute for the Chargers and what they have built up the last couple of years. But what makes you think, based on whether it's a sample size of these five games that they've played going back to anything last year or the year before that, what gives you any, and I'm talking anybody, anybody in the media, anybody in the fan base, what assurance is there that you can go out and write the ship? And I'm not just saying for one game because the Chargers are always good for one game where every, where you just everybody figures that they're going to get destroyed and somebody will and all of a sudden they'll come out and play the game of a lifetime and get a surprise win. I'm talking about consistency. I'm talking about consistency because consistency has not been a word that it has been associated with the Chargers. And whether we're talking about wins and losses, week in and week out, possessions by possessions, they are not consistent when it comes to complimentary football and stringing wins together and learning from mistakes. They do not do that. I've said it a million times on this show. The Chargers are the butt of jokes for the mainstream media. And as Dan just said, 
they do it to themselves. There is a reason why we have to hear the likes of Emmanuel Aucho. It's unfortunate, but there's reasons for it. There's a reason why you're hearing guys like Ian Rappaport come up with little smug comments to say, hey, that Chargers fan is probably AI then. They're not even real because the Chargers don't even have a fan base. There's a reason why you don't hear a lot of people have any confidence to pick the Chargers to do anything in the postseason because the Chargers are going to Charger has become an unfortunate tagline that has been associated with this team for far too long. And until that narrative changes, until they can actually go out and prove that they can win games and be consistent about it, nothing in that department is going to change. The the area that I think this team needs most is the ability to stay calm in times of panic, to stay calm when under pressure and like at the point of conflict. And they just don't. They just don't. And I don't know why that happens. I don't know what it will take for that to happen. And it's costing them game after game after game. There is no complimentary football right now for this team. I know this is a sky is falling type episode. And this is fresh off the victory. Wish fresh off the defeat. And like I said, if they go out, and make this a quick business trip and come out from Kansas City with a victory, maybe it's a different story. Maybe it's a different narrative. And at three and three, like, I'm saying maybe. Like, I'm I'm just giving that as like, you know, this isn't the end of the season. Although Jake believes, probably believes that this is season's over and hashtag draft season. Like, and there are probably, honestly, there, and I understand the sentiment given the history of the team, People blame, all right, you know what? Screw it. Season's over. Like, I get the pessimism. I get that frustration because that was a damn bad loss. Like, that. And you look at the division. The Chargers is now behind the Raiders. All of the AFC teams won, it felt like. Every AFC versus NFC matchup this week, the AFC won except for Monday night where the NFC won. The Chargers are now in a top 10 draft pick moment. I know, it's early. There's a lot of football ahead of them, but they got to write this and they got to figure this out quick. There are a lot of winnable games ahead of them, sure. And was this game kind of a, an abnormality for some of it? Sure, but some of it was not. Some of it was par for the course. There is a lot of come to Jesus moments happening, I hope, in that locker room. And I can't imagine what that team is having to go through mentally, physically, emotionally after a loss like that and also having to kind of compartmentalize it, to flush it, to move on. We're on to Kansas City, knowing what's at stake. Like, talk about, like, the pressure is on. Like this team, the fa- everybody is going to be tested, 
And if they go out and lose again, it's going to get even worse. Does that mean the season's over? No. Like, could they go on a run afterwards? The schedule looks like they could. But what have they shown that leads you to think that they're going to? Other than the trust in the talent that they have, the potential that they have, which we have talked about for so long. There is no real silver lining from that loss. And I think that's what Chargers fans, a lot of, even myself at times, I'm like, how can I, I'm trying to process this and I just can't. Because the way they lost is so demoralizing. But there are still 11 games left. They're two and three. Jake, where do you think they go from here? The adventures of being a Chargers fan, Dan. You know, even if you had the option to pick your own adventure, like the old school books used to have, it's like every page you turn, any adventure that you turn, just basically is going to be like a door slammed in your face. It just seems like it's like, yeah, you might get an unexpected win here, and then you go up against a one and five team, and all of a sudden you're going to drop that one. So any way that you plan this out, Dan, like you said, like I've said, there's nothing that gives me confidence right now. Now, obviously, could that change? Sure. But so many times have Dan and I said it during this offseason, given what the Chargers are facing next year with their cap situation, given what they were coming off of from the debacle in the Jacksonville game, We had Chris Harry on this show, Dan, even say it himself. They've been, there's all this bit talk about this team. It's been talk for too long. They need to go out and prove it. This was it. This was it. And so far through five games, it has come down to the very last possession, whether it's offense or defense. And the Chargers have proven that They can be a mediocre team at best. If you want anything to say what they have actually proven, they have proven that they could beat the Minnesota Vikings and they've proven that they could beat the Las Vegas Raiders off of defense, believe it or not, which is really bizarre to say that. Yeah, you brought up you brought up all like the cap situation and stuff. Like we haven't even gotten to this, and this is a different conversation for a different day, but there are some real conversations to be had about this cap situation and some of the guys making brink trucks of money. It's not good. And that coupled with their performance or lack thereof so far this season is going to make some of those uncomfortable decisions a bit easier if it continues. I'm just being frank. They got to write the ship. Like you and I have talked about like what's at stake here. Like, I'm talking marquee players. I'm talking coaches, uh, general managers. All of these guys are at stake. And they know it. We'll see how they respond. And I feel like we've been saying that for three years now. We'll see how they respond. You know, they're going to be tested. There's no there's no moral victories in this one, Dan. There's no silver lining here. This is either the Chargers have to make the biggest 180 that they have ever made 
and to start it off against the reigning Super Bowl champions. Uh, the, the That'd be a hell of a start. That'd be a hell the of a odds start. Of, the odds of that happening are pretty damn close to zero. And so where do you where do you go from there? You just you you don't know. And I'll and I'll save all my reservations because obviously I've been thinking about it. I will save all of that until after the result of Kansas City to voice my personal opinion about that. But I think you can kind of understand where I'm going to go from there. But I've got layers with it. Dan, this has just been uh, to again uh, the bigger picture here is that the Chargers came off of a bye. Two weeks to prepare. You were getting a number of guys back healthy for this game. And to have your offense come out and perform like that and keep making the same mistakes, lame decisions over and over and over and over again when you've essentially had four games up until last night to build off of it to learn from those mistakes. And what you have proven that so far, either nobody's listening or you're just not willing to fix those mistakes. One of the two is happening. One of the two is happening. And it is, in Dan's words, crippling this football team in the win and loss column. And the Chargers are this close to, I know not mathematically, but pretty much being eliminated from even having any semblance of hope for the playoffs. If they beat Kansas City, the 2-0 in the division. <laughs> there it is. Dan Wolkenstein with the one positive line 47 <laughs> minutes into this just negative hammering of a pod after a Monday night football loss. There's Dan Wolkenstein's one speck of hope. One shining decided, moment. Yes. yes. One shining moment. Uh, Jake, I think that should do it, honestly. Like, Maybe later in the week, after we process this and we go back and watch the game again, we can see some things that we can learn from that they should... I, I don't know. But that was a tough one. Chargers fans, like, we're with you. I get it. That one sucked. And there's a lot of frustration coming from that, and rightly so. But we'll get through it like we always do. Jake, anything else? I want to tell the great Chargers fans friends and family before we get out of here. We got 11 more weeks. Woof. Buckle up. <laughs> Buckle up. All right, well, that's going to do it. Uh, Jake, hopefully something brings you joy today. <laughs> I'm going to continue on with this peppermint coffee and uh, we'll get out of here for Jake Hafter, Dan Wilkenstein, Charge the Leash and the LA Football Network. Uh, thank you so much for tuning in. Hit the like and subscribe and we'll talk to you next on the next Chargers Unleashed.